The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and precede him to the other side of the sea while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. After making the crossing, they came to land at Gennesaret. When the men of that place recognized him, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought to him all those who were sick begged him that they might touch only the tassel on his cloak, and as many as touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. To understand the beautiful fullness of the Gospel reading that we've just heard, we do well to pause and consider the strongly worded oracle that the Lord speaks to his people through the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah. It is an oracle that begins by naming the radical woundedness that dwells within the lives of his people. A woundedness that is long-standing and incurable. A woundedness and a grieving that robs them of their dignity and has brought them low as individuals and as a nation. And into this oddly collective sickness, the Lord speaks. 
And he begins with a stern word, saying, I did this to you. And that's a troubling thing to hear. I did this to you. And there is no cure in this world for what I do to you. And I did this to you because of your many sins. I did this to you because of how you were living. And in the midst of that desolation, the Lord names the odd experience of abandonment that the people feel around them, among the nations, and within themselves. And he says, your lovers have abandoned you, every one of them. And in speaking that way, now we see, because you have given your heart to so many others who can't save you, can't protect you, can't heal you, who offer you the felt consolation of a moment that passes and disappears as quickly as a breath. You've forsaken me, who is the true Lord of your heart. You've taken your love from me, and you've given it to one who will not love you well in return. And so I've let you experience the falseness of that consolation. I've let you experience and drink deeply of its emptiness. I've let you experience how alone you truly are and how false these idols to which you've surrendered yourselves indeed are. How quickly they turn their back on you how quickly their lack of power to help you reveals itself, how little they can do for you, now you know. And I've brought you to the point of knowing. And all of a sudden we see then why. It's not simply tit for tat, you did something bad and so I punish you. You've given your heart to one who can't save you, and I have to bring you to see that. And the point is, so that then your heart can turn to me. What a remarkable statement this is. This statement which names the incurable wound of a heart that has separated itself from goodness, of a heart that has separated itself from God. And then the Lord saying to that same heart, but there will be a day when you can be built back up and I will do the building because I'm not the lover who turns his back. I'm not the one who is helpless to save. I will do that. And then we hear this remarkably beautiful and yet disturbing statement with which the oracle concludes. And I will call to my people, and when I call them, they will come to me. When I summon them, they will come. 
for why else would one take the mortal risk of approaching me otherwise? What a remarkable statement that is. On the one hand, the Lord says, I will call you to myself, but then says, it's only when I call you to me that it's safe for you to come to me. What a remarkable statement that is. We who in our modern world have grown up sometimes with a naive understanding of the love of God, of the goodness of Christ, of the friendship of Jesus, we take it for granted. We assume that however indifferently we approach the Lord, it's always good. And yet scripture says time and time again, it's not exactly that way. And that if the love is real, one attends to the way that one approaches. And we approach the Lord in all truth, not because we can or we decide to. We approach the Lord because he wants us to, because he calls us to himself. It is not our love for God that brings us to him. It is his love for us that calls us to him. And when the heart feels the call and begins to move, there is no danger. Oh, but when the heart is self-centered, when the heart is self-righteous, when the heart assumes that it intrinsically has the right, then we have trouble. And so now we turn to our gospel reading and we see how in this incident of the wind and the sea and the boat and the prayer and the sick on the other side, all of this now comes together. Jesus sends his disciples out ahead of him on the sea to go to the other side. And so as they move, the Lord rises. He climbs the great mountain where he will pray, as is his custom. He climbs the mountain by himself. He prays by himself. From that high place which reaches toward heaven and yet looks out on the sea, in much the same way that this place, which isn't quite so high, on the one hand, reaches up toward heaven and quite literally looks out on the sea. And he prays. This is what the Lord does when he doesn't seem to be with us. And it's important that we recognize what he's teaching us here. The disciples don't see him. He is physically not with them in the boat, but it doesn't mean he is doing nothing. The Lord is at prayer. He may seem distant. He may not be near in a way that we can readily perceive, and yet he is never passive and never inactive. And as his prayer reaches its conclusion, out of his prayer, he moves toward his disciples. And his disciples are out on the windswept sea. It is tossing the boat. It is making passage difficult and dangerous. And they are nervous because the sea 
has a mysteriously beautiful and deadly power about it. It rises unpredictably. Its waves are difficult to navigate when they grow violent. And so here it is, the wind is high, the waves are agitated, and the boat is small. And they are few, and the ocean is vast. And here, water is threatening. It can overwhelm them, it can sink them, it can prevent them from going any further. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm willing to bet we've all had days, weeks, months, maybe even years where life seems exactly like that. Out of control. Disordered. I know it should be good, but it feels dangerous. It's threatening, it's unsafe, and there's not a thing I can do to change it. There's not a thing the disciples can do to stop those winds, to still those waves. And yet that's where Jesus sent them. He sent them into the sea that would become agitated. He sent them into the winds that would grow strong. They are exactly where they need to be. He sent them there, although they have no idea why. And so it is that they experience the terrible, dangerous violence of nature. And suddenly, in the middle of all of that, the night has grown dark. The night has grown long. And these eyes that are looking desperately to see the wind die down and the waves grow calm are shocked to see him walking on the waves untroubled, through the wind, unbothered. And his movement is direct to them. He's not passing them by. He is moving toward them atop the very sea that threatens them. He moves toward them within the very wind that makes everything so difficult and the wind does not slow him, and the sea supports him. And the great sign of the God of Israel in the Psalms is that he sets his throne atop the unruly waters, that at the sound of his voice they move. He passes among them. And that the Lord is the one who brought Israel from slavery to freedom. How? By separating the waters of a sea. And note what Jesus is saying simply by walking here. That the one who split the waters of the sea, that the one who sets his throne upon the mighty waters, that the one who sets limits to their unruly and glorious movement is walking toward you. This is who I am. He doesn't say it with words. Oh, but he says it so clearly here. He doesn't give a lengthy teaching. He simply walks out of that storm to where they are. And note that it is not they who approach him, 
It is he who approaches them. They looked out and saw only their helplessness and probably lifted up that desperate prayer in their hearts, God, help us. And here is the help. The world cannot save them. Nothing that they can do for themselves can save them. And yet, salvation walks toward them. How marvelous this is. To that little boat lost and adrift on the stormy waters of this world comes the one who, on the one hand, did this to them. He sent them there. But why? So that now they would know him. So that now they would know him in a way that no words by themselves could possibly convey. Now they see him walking. They experience him. And right away, note what Peter says. If it's really you, not let me go to you, call me to yourself. Note again, I'll go when you call me. Going on your own is dangerous, but if I call you. And so what does the Lord say? Well, come. Here I am. Come. How much faith would you need to have to get out of that boat? Think about that for a second. How much faith would you need to have to put your feet on that water and try and stand up, let alone take a step? That just sounds like a monumentally stupid undertaking. Let's be honest. And here's St. Peter. If it's you and you call me, this is, no, this is how I know it's you. If I hear you call me. And he hears that call, that voice that called him. He knows that voice. He knows that call. If he knows anything about Jesus, he knows the call. And so Peter, responding to the call, steps out of the boat, and he's on the water. And he takes a step, and another step, and another step. And he's walking on the water. Oh, and then we have that moment. Then we have that moment. You know, for those of us of a certain age who grew up with Looney Tunes, there was that great scene in the cartoons when the coyote would go off the cliff and he'd keep running until he stopped and looked down and then he would fall. Doesn't this sound like that? Peter gets out of the boat, he begins moving, and he's walking on the water, and then he stops, and he realizes what he's doing. <laughs> he looks down. He sees how strong the storm is, how rough the waters are, how dangerous the world around him still is. Jesus didn't change that. He didn't take the storm away. He's allowing Peter to move through it. But Peter, once again, experiencing the storm now from the other side, from the perspective of the guy who walks within it, is overwhelmed. And he sinks. And yet, to his credit, he never takes his eyes off his Lord. 
Lord, you save me. I can't do this. You save me. And the hand is extended, and he's pulled out of the depth, and he's with Jesus. Note how remarkable this all is. And then Jesus says, man, you've got such little faith. And we're all sitting here thinking, if that's a little bit of faith, I've got less. Because uh, I'm, you know, I'm not so sure I'm getting out of the boat. But note what the Lord is also saying, even a little faith, even a little faith can let you take a step or two on the water. Even a little faith can get you closer to me. Even a little faith will keep you looking at me if you begin to sink. Note how wonderful that is. And then what do we see? They get to the other side. And they get to the other side, and what is waiting for them there? Another sea. Not a sea of water, a sea of misery, a sea of woundedness, a sea of illness. And what do we hear? When the people recognized Jesus, when they realized who he is, not just he's the guy named Jesus that I heard about, this idea of recognizing him, when they recognized that he is the one, then they moved, and they recognized that the one has come to them. And if he's come to us, we can come to him. If I call you, you will come. And so he goes, he arrives, and his presence is the invitation, come to me. And they find they're sick and they're wounded, and they're needy, and they're desperate. To all of those whose hearts are broken, whose lives are brought low, all of those who suffer through things that the world can't begin to cure, and they come to him. And those who suffered at the hands of doctors, and those who suffered because of the false consolations they trusted, and those who looked to help and found none, find themselves saying, all I need from him is just to touch the tassel at the bottom of his garment. That's not much. Think about that for a moment. That's not much next to nothing from Jesus is more than enough for me. Next to nothing of Jesus is more than enough to heal me. How much more wonderful the fullness of Jesus Christ. My friends, next to the sea, here on this mountain, that same Jesus Christ is here praying with us and from this altar, he's going to come forward. And because he comes, we know we can get up and we can come forward too. And note what we say before we do that. Lord, I'm not worthy, and I know that. 
But if you say the word, my soul will be healed. All I need is to touch the tassel on your garment, and I'll be okay. And we get to stretch out our hands, and we get to do more than touch the tassel on a cloak. We get to receive him in his glorious fullness. When I call you, then you will come to me. Oh, and I will give you the healing and the goodness and the saving for which you long. Amen.